Hey everyone, this podcast is part of Story Mode, the podcast network of Gamefully Unemployed. You can support us and gain access to other great exclusive podcasts at patreon.com slash gamefullyunemployed. That's patreon.com slash g-a-m-e-f-u-l-l-y unemployed, which is spelled like it sounds. It's all the words we don't say about the empty man. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> the one jazz joke I know. Yeah, <laughs> it's about it's the notes the you don't play. Joke. It's the only jazz joke. Because I've never right? heard a jazz song and I don't, know, I don't know how it works. I just hear jazz people saying it's about the notes you don't play. There, right. was, there was like a one year period when my dad moved to Miami for the Navy where he just listened to jazz all the time. Like it was just. It huh. all of all of a sudden he became a jazz guy for like 1996 and that was it. <laughs> like after 1996, that phase passed. But and he was just like, "This is stupid." <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh god, what was I doing? Changes all his presets. It just this goes car. on and on. They just yeah. They're just is this the same song we've listened to the radio for three hours? <laughs> um, hi, hi everybody. Hello everyone. <laughs> My name is David Bell. My name is Tom Ryman. I am Jason Pargin. Hi, welcome. And we and we just watched The Empty Man. Semptyman. Yeah. Y'all know The Empty Man. The Everybody empty loves man. The Empty Man. Yeah. Hey, wait. We gotta try it. Try what? Calling The Empty Man. Who's The Empty Man? If you're on a bridge and you find a bottle, you blow into it, and you think about the empty man. Oh, come on, Mandy, how old are you? Tell him the rest. On the first night, you hear him. And on the second night, you see him. And on the third night? Well, on the third night, he finds you. He finds you. You can hear him, can't you? Squirming his way into your thoughts. Like a disease. And his message is contagious. Jason, welcome. Hi. Uh, thanks for being on. Yeah. Uh, you brought this to us. This so, film. There is all of a sudden a bunch of buzz about this movie. Not, yes. not buzz, not like... Uh, hey, this this terrible, not like the room, like this this terrible movie. You've got to see it, which is what you're going to think. If any of you pause this podcast to go watch the trailer to The Empty Man, you think, oh, we're about to make fun of this movie. It's one of those bad teen slashers yeah. where they summon an urban legend by blowing in a bottle at right. night, right. and then they get picked off one by one, and then a detective tries to stop it, and then they, in the end, they have to fight the Empty Man. Uh, so there is. For some reason, like people now are talking about this movie, the yes. history behind how this movie got made and how it wound up in front of us is fascinating. I want to note this yeah. movie has a 53% on Rotten Tomatoes and yes. a 39% with audiences. This is a very divisive uh, movie, but yeah, I really am interested to hear about this because... Jason, when you sent us the email asking if we wanted to do this episode, like, no joke, three other people that day had told me about The Empty Man. 
Uh, right. And this this movie came out last, like, January of October. 2020. Oh. It, it, it was released theatrically October okay. 23rd. Uh, nobody saw it because, you know, that word theatrically yeah. in there. Uh, and and so it just sort of limped out. And yeah. I, I had, like, sort of seen the um, poster. But, yeah, Jason, I had the reaction that yeah, that you're describing where it's like, I thought this was, like, the bye-bye man. This was, mm-hmm. like... Yeah. Uh, or Slenderman movie so where it's, it's like it's, urban it's a, legend, supernatural slasher. It's a real doozy when you watch that trailer. Like if you go to like Amazon, you search for it uh, and you watch the trailer to see what it is. And it looks like, you know, the Bye Bye Man or Slenderman. And then you look down at the movie's runtime and it's two hours and 20 minutes. Like that's yeah. that's enough to make you never consider this movie again. Right. Uh, <laughs> this is such a, an object lesson in how bad modern streaming platforms are at recommending content. Because I have watched every, and this is just my description right now is a slight spoiler. We will be spoiling throughout here. If you really want to see this unspoiled, uh, to pause the podcast and go do it now. Yeah. But I have watched every lovecraftian horror thing on amazon's entire platform i know i watched the nick cage uh, adaptation of color out of space space, and all of these you know we've we've been on here to to, i think to talk about other movies like that that have come and gone this movie you know i I go on amazon prime every week i go on netflix every week like a lot of people just looking seeing what new has popped up and this never popped up in recommendations and even just their list of new releases where they will just dump every oddball thing uh, movies from 1986 it's it's the tom hanks hit the man with one red shoe they just dump as a a new release because well we just bought it real quick real quick i used to conflate that with my left foot in my mind (laughs) <laughs> two very different movies yeah, two, but I thought they were like movies. the same movie like the Tom Hanks movie is about him he can only communicate with his foot anyway <laughs> so I never saw this even now that there's buzz about it went, had to, the only way I found it was by searching for the title and then found it like deep among other things with similar titles like Amazon in a period when they should have been starving for content to feed to people in this desert of new releases. Here's this movie, a very slick horror movie that you know looks very good. It's got a niche audience. You would think it popped up in their streaming service back in January. You would think they would throw it up there because it's like, what else do we have to give these people? It's right. It's a drought. It's a content drought. So the me even this you know I have written in this genre or or stupid versions of this genre. That Amazon didn't know to tell me this movie was out for rent or purchase kind of says it all. It I think the studio was didn't understand it because yes, yeah. This this movie is it's the first time director he uh, what's his name uh, David Pryor mm-hmm. he he had uh, been doing uh, making of documentaries. If you look him up, it's all mainly Fincher movies. Uh, Making like of DVD Zodiac, extras. making of Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. They're like that, shorts and DVD extras and stuff yeah. for those movies. Yeah. He was also the editor of those. Like, he clearly was like this one man uh, thing that they would just stick behind the scenes of movies. Uh, he, this is his, yeah, it's his debut film. And it's not, like we're sort of hinting at, it's not really a slasher film that it advertises mm-hmm. as. It reminds me of one of those movies where they don't know quite how to advertise it because it doesn't fit perfectly into one genre yeah it is 
it's it's like a hat on a hat on a hat, which isn't a lot of times is a bad thing. In this case, I would say we haven't talked. We usually at the top of this say whether or not we enjoyed it. I enjoyed this movie. Yeah, no, I really liked it. Yeah, because it's it's weird and complex and it, it goes yeah, places. Yeah, and it does but that thing. Like, oh, go ahead. I'll let you, f- oh, you finish. You finish. It's just it's Lovecraftian, as we mentioned. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh it's a mystery. It's a cult film. It is also kind of a supernatural slasher at times. A little bit, yeah. It's it's a, a lot of things. So I could see the studio just being kind of terrified of it. Right. They lean into, you get a couple of glimpses of this figure. So they, the preview really lean into, uh, you blow in a bottle and then this guy comes and kills you. And that's not really what this movie is about. No. Um, but it, it does a thing that I know uh, Jason you've mentioned before where it this movie doesn't fully explain itself like it doesn't explain what the horror is really like we know enough about it by the end to kind of understand how it works but we don't know anything else about it and we like a lot of modern horror tends to be afraid to do that like but the unknown is like a completely legitimate thing for a device for horror you don't have to explain um or like overly explain uh something for it to be scary it's sometimes it's scarier when you don't really quite understand everything about it absolutely um and that's a a lot of where lovecraftian horror operates and like that's kind of the base idea is that he's talking about stuff that your mind can't comprehend uh so this movie does it really well i think and i i really liked that it could have given us a really s- dumb cheesy explanation of like the rules of this entity blah 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 but it, it doesn't do that like it, it resists the urge to do that and i'm sure you, you if this movie had like a bigger budget the director probably would have had a lot of pressure to do something like that like no this doesn't we need this to fit more neatly into a category could you maybe make it more about a boogeyman that has clear rules and it's like no that's not what this movie is um, it also yeah. plays into why i think it doesn't get great reviews because i'm i'm looking at some of the audience reviews and it's mostly people are just like this is boring this is boring because they they were expecting a certain type of movie and they didn't get it and that is important because like this movie i watched in the morning i was kind of half asleep i was drinking caffeine and i really enjoyed it as like kind of a chill movie uh, for the reason that it's like it's, I wouldn't call it a slow burn, but it's. Uh, I would. I would call it. Yeah, a slow I burn. guess it is kind of a slow burn. Yeah, it's a steady build to the mystery, and you don't really have all the pieces until the very end. Yeah, and I think a lot of the reviews kind of seem to consider it a failure uh, for the reason that I think people had specific expectations on it right. of what kind of genre they were going in to see. The, the trailer is pushing like Freddy Krueger. And that's not what this is. Yeah. Right. That, what you mentioned about the length is important. Horror, especially slasher horror, is usually short. Yeah. Um, because there's minutes. not, yeah, there's not a ton of steps to go through. You know, you've got the whatever origin of the killer. Or he shows up on the scene. You, you meet your group of teens or whoever are going to be the victims. They get picked off one by one. And then you get down to a final person, usually a final girl. And she either kills him or else you you get the twist where the bad guy wins or he, he, whatever 
And that's pretty much it. This movie is structured in a very interesting way in that for the first hour, it kind of does look like it's just, oh, a bunch of teens summoned an urban legend slasher and he's picking them off one by one and this detective's got to look into it. <laughs> what happens that, is... That twist, I know you're about to say it, but that twist at like the one hour mark, I was like, okay, I have no idea where this movie is going now. Yeah. <laughs> at about one hour into it, this detective keeps looking and instead of finding, oh, here's how you summon the empty man and you can only kill him with blank he's yeah. angry because he was unfairly executed by the by hanging a hundred years ago blowing and, bottles at him yeah blowing bottles and the only <laughs> way you can defeat him is by un by sucking into a bottle it's instead he found he, he finds himself going down a rabbit hole and you see the movie yeah. has played a trick on you and that the bye-bye man that whole urban legend the whole thing was just like a side effect of what's really going on. And he yes. dives into this maze, this kind of a noir thriller where it's, it's this gumshoe. He's a private eye and he's going around and trying to, and he, he stumbles into this cult and, and he starts having hallucinations and things keep getting weirder and weirder. And then you get an ending that the movie We'll talk about this in a moment because the whole concept of like how to pull off twists and horror, and it shouldn't be too much of a spoiler, even if you want to stop now to say it has a twist, because this type of movie obviously has a twist when you start watching it, is that the conclusion is, well, wouldn't it be the scariest thing of all if he kind of never figures it out all the way to where most audience members will say, no, I hate that. <laughs> Right. I want closure as to what happened, but the whole point they keep bringing it back to is like nothing is real, nothing you can trust you're seeing is real, you can't rely on anything. And then in the final minutes, like everything he thought he knew kind of falls apart. Mm -hmm. um, and that's like, this is, there's no happy ending. He doesn't solve the problem. Nothing is fixed. He, he just finally fell down the exact thing that they said would happen to him. You're eventually, you are going to be one of the, the empty people the you will be the empty man because you will find you that there is actually nothing to the universe it's all nonsense yeah uh this the switch i was talking about is this movie this cause, man it even has like a 22 minute prologue before the opening credits roll where I was it's about like a to different say that movie was, that prologue was the first uh, like i it's funny that like I went into this sitting down. I didn't watch the trailer. I I had heard what you had said, Jason, and I'd read synopsis. And I actually like paused the movie and had to make sure I had like found the right film because of that opening. Mm -hmm. uh, and that opening really like it, it it made me it prepared me for like an unconventional film. Yeah, for sure. It's twenty minutes. You think like, oh, is this the movie? Uh, and then it just ends and you know that has to do with something mm -hmm. and I think this movie does a really good job at not answering the questions but you kind of get the idea you see it shows you the links but doesn't explain them yeah it shows the 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 equivalent of the bottle this uh the little like, reed instrument that the guy it's like a bunch of the guy it's, finds, it's for yeah. for college age kids backpacking the through nepal in 1995 one of them falls into a crevice in front of this like 10 foot tall mummy with crazy ass spider arms 
Right. And so that's, again, that's all you kind of need. You're like, all right, it's some yeah, crazy yeah, like, yeah. And then, old god or something. Yeah, it's something. It's one of the great old ones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, it, it ends up infecting one of them who passes the infection to somebody else, and she ends up killing the other two and herself. Uh, did you guys notice that the, that the guy she stabs and pushes over the cliff is the guy that gets cut in half and bone tomahawk? Really? Yep. <laughs> oh, wow. That is the that is Deputy Nick from Bone Tomahawk. That, guy, that guy's having a hard time. He does his, not have the best luck in movies his, that I've seen. His acting they, reel is just various ways he's been like impaled on things. Yeah, various <laughs> ways he's been into murdered a, on screen. Yeah, a, a thresher and <laughs> they also it, it's important to note that they they phrase it as day one, day two, day three. Yeah, it's, during it's, this part. Yeah. Um. It looks like it. In at the moment, it looks like she just kills them, and like clearly she's possessed or something. They later show that there's this entity that's they, killing them. And they it, they it do. Like, just real quick, they do make it clear that she is like doing it at his behest. Like it, it it's clear yes. that he's communicating to her somehow. Because she she kills the two of them and then looks to him for further stuff, and he right. he's has a like vessel. A, single tear and he's just whispering gibberish and then she jumps off the mountain so yeah yeah but um, like later when that girl uh dies in the sauna and stuff they show that it's like i want her, her perspective is she's being murdered and the reality is she's that killing was, herself that was a hardcore oh, <laughs> that, was yeah. a, that was a real good effect with she stabs herself in the face a billion times with a pair of scissors and they do like this they make like her cornea float they do this effect it's very effective oh yeah um, yeah. This is I a would, very well-made movie in general. Yes, yes. like the way it's shot. Like this is a first-time director, or at least first-time feature director. It, it's mm-hmm. it looks great. That's actually most of what you can. The whole issue, if you watch a lot of horror and you consume a lot of horror, there are movies where it kind of seems like they cared, and some where it seems uh-huh. like maybe yeah. not as much. This is a movie. Uh, this and we'll get into like the background of how this got made in a bit. But this guy he cared about this movie, and and it's it's lovingly made, and it's yeah, you know, it's very and there's this, a lot of the, very effective sequences. Yeah, the fact that this guy edited a lot too shows makes a lot because, of sense. Yeah, yeah, the slow burn elements in this are it's I, it's hard to say it's it, almost a parody, but not. It's not like tongue-in-cheek, it's not funny, it's just he knows how slow burn works. Yes. And he knows how the sound should work and stuff, so like, mm-hmm. when when the text comes on screen that says day one, day two, day three, like, the sound is so ominous. Um, yeah. The sounds in general are very the ominous. The sound design in this movie is very good, yeah. Yeah. Just the, the rapid footsteps. Yeah, to the mm. point that it would make me giggle because of how on the nose it was, but it didn't need to not be. Yeah, he wasn't trying to do he, you know, he wasn't trying to do something uh, brand new because he knew this is what we needed uh, for yeah. those moments, and it worked. You, you mentioning that he did a lot of work with Fincher makes sense. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. And uh, the 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 big twist for me that I wanted to to bring up was you know it starts out with his neighbor his neighbor's teenage girl goes missing he's looking for her he starts questioning her friends they don't know what happened he can't find the rest of the friends that were with her the night they summon the empty man so like Jason mentioned it seems like it's gonna be about these teens who summon this guy but like 
like 20 minutes into his investigation, he finds every single one of them hanging dead underneath yeah. the bridge. So they're like, oh, okay, I guess that's oh, not what are. this movie's going to be. In a, in a sequence that is setting up that he's calling the empty man because he finds the bottle on the... Uh, yeah. And so you think that's what that sequ- sequence is for, and then he finds their bodies, and you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, so you kind of your guard is let down. You think like he hears a noise, mm-hmm. and so he goes down in this like below the bridge, and you think, oh, this is going to be the first jump scare moment, and it kind of is. But the thing that yeah, it kind of throws a wrench into what he's been up to. Yeah, that's interesting. There's a couple of scenes like this where he's hearing a noise, and the way the movie is presented, and the way that like movies like this have trained us to think, you assume it's like the empty man or whatever the entity creeping around just out of you. But in every instance, it's something much more mundane, but like way scarier. Like in this well, sequ- in this sequence, he hears like a tapping, and it's one of the dead kid's shoes hitting in the pipe. And then later in the institute, he hears a tapping when they're like summoning somebody, and it turns out it's he was hearing himself tapping his wedding ring. Yeah, yeah, hearing him a second version of a himself, second version of noted. himself. Yes, yeah. <laughs> this movie is wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's, I'm. A, oh, sorry, go on. Well, that, that's true to the kind of Lovecraftian, like you've gone down the tunnel of madness. Type yeah. Thing. Like that sequence is a great example of it is of like where the, the narrator is losing the plot. Uh, that's there. There are yeah. several bits like that where it's uh, where there's and I, I don't want to spoil too many like individual moments, because, again, I would hope that no one is listening to this instead of watching the movie. I, I very much want people to watch the movie. I want it to be successful. I want more movies like this to get made. But like there's a point where. He finds like a creepy old teddy bear in yeah. an, like an abandoned place, and then it shows up like at his, his house, which again is kind of a, a cliche horror thing. And then later he finds in his home like the receipt for the teddy bear, where it had been ordered off Amazon. Yeah, uh, there's like what, what? It's like nope, you're you're never gonna find out. It's we're nope. never gonna come back to that. It's yeah, it's it's they 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 throw a couple of things in there to let us know that. He's a he is an unreliable narrator. <laughs> so, like by the end of the movie, you're just like, I don't know what the fuck is real anymore yeah. <laughs> in this movie. Which again will frustrate many viewers. See, you, you'll you'll get probably poor to middling user scores yeah. all, all over the place on this for that reason. I know a lot of people don't like you know ambiguity. I get it. Re- real life is full of ambiguity. You watch a movie to not have that. <laughs> I yeah. understand. Yeah. Yeah. But this, it compa- is deliberate. It is you're following somebody down a a hole of madness in, into a dark place where he doesn't and and that's it he you only have the narrator to tell you what's going on or this guy's pov right mm-hmm. and his pov is breaking down and that's 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 the, the there's a whole genre of horror like that that's not a mistake it's just it, it's not common and in the way and there's a an interview with the david Pryor, the, the writer director that i'll talk about later where it's like the difference between horror for teens and horror for adults. Like horror for teens is a standard slasher movie. It's very, you know, a few spectacular kills and then final, like it's very formulaic. Where horror for adults, you have something more like Hereditary or Get Out where it's a little bit longer. There's a little bit more to it and there's more layers. Like there's usually some 
there's deeper stuff about the family or about society or some issue. Like there's just a little bit more to chew on as he put it. Yeah. It's preying on a lot more adult fears, which are often a lot more like, uh, uh, like surreal and nuanced existential. Like when you're, when you're a teenager, you still think you're going to live forever. So like the scariest thing you can imagine is some dude hit killing you with an ax, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, when you get older, it's just way more existential. Oh, there's worse things. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm worried um, about like the fucking universe and shit. Yeah. A movie I would compare this to, not in style, but I think because this uh, surprisingly is a movie that also didn't get good reviews, uh, In the Mouth of Madness, the John Carpenter sure. basically <laughs> doing Lovecraft. Doing Lovecraft, yeah. And it's another ending where you're like, the fuck was that? You know? <laughs> it's a great ending. <laughs> it's a great ending. It's such a good ending. But it's the same idea of like unreliable yeah, narrator. Just, what is reality? Yeah, uh, and, and that, some. I think it's that's that's one that if you look at reviews, it's pretty like split down the middle, and it's the same thing. It's just like no, I just want the monsters to and, be real or like yeah. to make sense. Oh, the monsters <laughs> are real. It's just yeah. Yeah, I another one. I think it bombed so hard that people probably got fired. If I remember correctly. But yet we remember that movie and have totally forgotten probably most of the movies that came out whatever year in the mouth of madness came out. Like yeah. it has lasted, Four, I think. Yeah, like it has re- remained in the consciousness <laughs> much longer than many other. Like probably, yeah, than like well, the shadow, which also came out. Uh, yeah, that year. yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like very profitable. What they thought of as, as hit movies at the time that have been completely forgotten. But you can still watch, you know, YouTube breakdowns of In the Mouth of Madness and people recommending it. Like it has stuck around uh, for for that reason. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. Looking at it has a good audience score for this reason. I think still not as good as as high as you'd uh, assume, but yeah, it. It's interesting. I'm just looking at the poster. Um, going down a hole is definitely the motif they're going for. Like it, it just occurred to me. Like it begins with a guy falling into a hole. Oh, for the <laughs> empty man, yeah. And then in the poster for the empty man, the T is elongated down so that it's just like this pit, and you can see the little guy down there at the bottom. It's like, oh, okay, they're really they're they're telling us. Okay, <laughs> it's right there. They oh they are, but at the I I do think the poster uh, there's some marketing issues here because I yes. think the poster it does look like the bye bye man uh, kind of yeah it's, in in its own way like this the text is sim- similar yeah. Uh, it's and it's got a figure like the bye bye man is uh, a guy like it's uh, I assume the bye bye man standing there and it says the bye bye man over him mm-hmm. so it's like the same basic uh, like the guy is littler in in the empty man poster well I think but the I guy... can see looking at it and thinking the same yeah yeah for it's sure and it does theory. have like the 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 only rules we get uh are on the poster at the top and it's basically the same rules as uh drag me to hell right it's like the also, haunting gets progressively worse over three days until you're fucked on the last day yeah, yeah. or the Slender ring Man poster or... yeah 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 the ring yeah Slenderman poster is also the same just for the record Oof. it's it's scrawling <laughs> slender man yeah have uh, um jason have you seen slender Did man or the bye bye man <laughs> I have probably there's probably none of these that I have not seen. It's just sometimes they're on in the background while I'm working right. because it's like 
I, I can glance at it once every 15 minutes and know where I'm at in the movie because I've yeah. <laughs> I've seen yeah. this movie before, even if I've not seen uh, this movie before. If you know, it's like, okay, well, here's, yeah, we're 59 yeah, right. minutes into the movie. Here's where she finds her mother has been killed by whatever. And, uh, you know, this is one of those things with horror. Um, it's how I like discovered Lake Mungo. Although I think I saw that recommended somewhere. Is yeah, horror that's like on, the like, most unreliable? Yeah, the most unreliable thing of horror is the posters, right? Because yes. they all look the goddamn same. Yeah, they're all, and it's yeah. so hard to figure out what uh, which ones good and which ones aren't. I would mm-hmm. like to talk about. Hey, let me. I like to go into the background of this a little bit because the, the marketing mm-hmm. yeah. materials. David Pryor, the guy who made this movie, he did not see the poster or the trailer or any of that until they were live. So Damn. yeah, that's that's a hell of a thing. <laughs> until that's they were out problem. in the public. So here's what here's exactly what happened. And if you if you're saying like you said earlier that you thought the studio didn't know what to do with it, um, the studio that owns this movie is a, it's a company called Disney. <laughs> All right, yeah, sure is. So if it seems Heard like it. if you're yeah. wondering how maybe their machinery didn't know how to handle the empty man, so <laughs> this is, this is if you go look it up, you'll see it's based on a graphic novel series. It is very loosely based. Um, also called The Empty Man. If you go out and look for it, it's actually the first issue is available for free, not not stolen, but like the, the studios have made it, like they released for free as a promotional thing. It is basically the movie takes place in that same universe, but does not borrow any of the same characters, events, and anything. The main, and it it never basically that graphic novel series this takes place years later after the empty man is basically that cult has started taking over the world and it's about a government agencies like trying to stop it before it gets it's basically treated as like an epidemic wow um so they made this and this guy david Pryor, i don't know how he got hold of the story but he wanted to make one like it would be a very big budget thing to make the graphic novel because it's like a worldwide almost like a zombie type story where he wanted to make a smaller one that was basically go back to the origins of the empty man and how this all started. So he basically wrote a new story in that universe. He pitched this to 20th century Fox back in 2016 and maybe being friends with David Fincher helped, but they went ahead and they, you know, they got it made on a budget of like $4 million, which is pretty good for a movie like, like this. You can, you can do quite a bit without amount of money. Um, and then they started shooting, uh, in fall of 2016 and then everything started going to hell. There was, they were supposed to shoot in Cape down Cape town, South Africa. And then the rest was supposed to shoot in Chicago for the parts that, cause it all takes place in like St. Louis, something like that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's in Missouri. Um, they went to Chicago. It, they, there was a blizzard in Chicago when they were supposed to shoot. They wound up delaying shooting until April. And then the worst thing that can happen happened. The executive who bought the movie at 20th Century Fox was fired. Oof. So yep. this That's very is something bad. That's that, bad. That people don't out there, if you're not in the business, you know, friends in the business, or you're not kind of follow this kind of story. It's easy. You don't understand. The authors have the same thing. You'll have an editor at the publisher who liked your story. If that editor leaves, your book can become an orphan, as they say in the biz. 
because the the person who paid you that advance and liked your book is gone and no one else there cares about it or will even read it, knows what it is. And the person who was going to get it released and, and get the push and all that is gone. Well, that's what happened to this guy. They were in the middle of shooting this movie. They had mostly shot it. And then um, their one executive was let go and they didn't have a, a, a champion at the time. So meanwhile, Fox is unbeknownst to this guy and to the rest of the world is about to be swallowed up by Disney. And so there are people there like trying to figure out it's a situation we have been in the past. Like, am I still going to have a job when this new company takes over? You know, should right. we all leave? Should we go find something better? Go start our own studio or whatever. So meanwhile, this guy, this poor guy has just got like all this film he's shot and is now trying to make, turn it into a movie because that's the longest part of the process, doing the effects work, doing you got to go through all the storyboard stuff to get the, the effects stuff done and then edit what you've, what you've uh, shot. And then he said like that next year, I think somewhere like in, Oh, 2018, they suddenly get this call. Like, okay, that movie that you've kind of been, been that we've all forgotten about. You have to finish it right now. We need it right now. (laughs) They found some slot to fill. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's terrible because yeah, he's like this little fish in the ocean at this yeah, point where it's, it's like to everybody else. Yeah, like what Jason's saying, once your advocate is gone to everybody else at that studio, you're just a line on a spreadsheet. Well, and like your cost, you're yeah, a sunk you're cost. Like, this is a four million dollar cost on our budget. What is this? So someone totally unfamiliar with <clears throat> his movie the same as if, like, let's hypothetically say that back years ago, like, if Cracked had been bought by a company that just clearly had no idea what it was or why sure, they wanted yeah. it. Yeah, the, the, I'm imagining that that was the case, yeah. I don't know if it's annoying how often I bring up Cracked. I know it's been years. <laughs> it's been like four years. I, it was, people were like, Jesus, let it go. Um, so anyway... He gets into this nightmare scenario where they're like, no, we have to have it by test screenings for test screenings by X date. And then at some point he finds out they just went ahead and cut together a version of the movie and are holding test screenings without him. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, they're looking at a movie called The Empty Man and they're thinking about horror movies uh, with similar names, probably. And they're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. We get it. Yeah, sure. We, can we, well, get, we, can we, we, can we get this, this out is. in January to scare some teens? Yeah. Let's, let's shit this thing out. <laughs> well, yeah. even worse, they're looking at it, thinking that's what it is. It's like, well, what's all this other stuff he shot? Like, why is there all right. this stuff with this? He shot all these scenes with these cults, and he does this big investigation to like this cult. And then you actually hear from the cult leader and he explains his worldview, and it's it makes sense. Like, it makes sense as something that would draw people in. Like, he really devoted effort to explaining what these people believe. It's not just the Lovecraftian thing where it's right. like a bunch of crazies worshiping a monster. It's like, it, it's it's more modern, like a self-help type group would sound. And, and We the, should, oh, sorry, we should note that it's Stephen Root as the yeah. cult leader. <laughs> Only yeah, scene and, he's in, but... Yeah. <laughs> And knocks it out of the park. Yeah, of because course. Yeah, Steve- almost guaranteeing that the scene will stay in because they're like, well, it's Stephen Root. He's the most famous person yeah, in and this probably, movie. Yeah, paid him, had to actually pay him, unlike the yeah. other unknowns in the movie. So anyway, after apparently they released this other cut of the movie to some of the worst test screening scores in cinema history. Oof. So they came back to him and said, look, you can finish 
your cut of the movie because but you have to do it in x number of days because the tax rebates from south africa are set to expire <laughs> <laughs> um, which is Gosh. the only reason they shoot there. Like, I don't know if people realize this. this is why so many movies are shot in Georgia. It's because Georgia really got into offering these huge tax breaks to companies to do their production there. So there's this why The Walking Dead is in Georgia. And so they basically went back again, rushed, locked the picture, scrambled to finish it. This was in 2018. And then he has this finished movie that he's been working on for two years. And it's the the studios is like okay thank you bye and then he has not been involved since then so after this disney comes along and buys fox now his movie is in the maw of disney he says we can't find anybody that will even answer our calls now because they fired a bunch of people moved a bunch of people around like everything's been reshuffled like this this movie is literally like it's not even film reels it's probably just like files on a hard drive somewhere right like it's all isn't yeah. it all digital so to the company it's just like, like tom said it's just a line on a on a, an excel sheet and an expense on an excel sheet and then to somebody else somebody inherited like a pc with a bunch of huge video files on it and that's your movie this thing that you have traveled around the world that you've had this idea for years you have sweated and overcome weather delays and and you've gone through the casting you've been living this for two years and now it's just in the belly of disney like you don't even know who has it and so he they came back and said at some point, like in 2019, okay, we're, we're gonna, we've got a release date for you. You know, we're like the stuff is, is kind of settling in. It's gonna be uh, April 2019. And he came back and said, no, it's gonna be fall 2019. It's like, well, no, it'll be spring. It'll be spring 2020. It's like, well, <laughs> no, that, that pandemic. It's and so eventually they just came back and it's like, okay, we're we'll putting it out in 2,000 theaters in September of 2020 when theaters are still kind of closed or the only people going to movies are like tenant couldn't make its money in the theaters like and so they made this trailer which made it just look like the bye-bye man that he again didn't see until it was released he never saw the finished cut of the movie until he went to the theater and saw it and it was his cut but he never got like he says like i did a finished edit but without the soundtrack i did a finished soundtrack separately but i never got to see the finished product until i was watching it with other people because at that point he was out of the process like it that's what it's like and so brutal yeah Yeah. and so he then had to watch as this trailer came out saying hey this is a fun teen slasher movie because he says in movie marketing in this and everything i'm referencing he did an interview with the with thrillist if you if you just google thrillist david Pryor interview by or uh empty man interview He's extremely frank about all this. That's why it's it, that interview went viral. It's because he's very blunt. Because he has no reason to care now. Right. They've it, already it, shut him out. Yeah. <laughs> wait, what is? Yeah. I mean, what is? This? Disney doesn't even know his name. Right. And so he had to watch while they released Disney released this trailer that made his movie look like a slasher movie for teens. And what he says in that interview is that movie marketing is not about trying to connect your movie to a specific audience. Nope. It is about excluding certain audiences from your movie. Making so they're not going to because that's how you get negative buzz if the wrong people are watching your movie. If they're expecting right. romance and you they get action or vice versa. So they marketed this as slasher movie for teens. 
for high school kids to go out and there'll be some boobs <laughs> and some some people get stabbed and it'll be yeah. 85 minutes yeah. long the, uh, like, can you imagine being a teenager on like a date going to see this yeah it, the this uh, two hour 15 minute film well yep, not just it's just uh, a real bummer about interior yeah. madness oh, yeah. <laughs> not just that but he then had to watch mainstream audiences go to see it expecting that and then this backlash of anger because again when it came out in september the reviews are from like these horror sites and they're, they're like making fun of it because it's like oh it's it's like bye bye man except boring except there's another hour of stuff on it because the, yeah. the marketing materials had prepped them to watch a certain movie whereas if it had been marketed like like midsummer or about like hereditary like one of these more adult mature like slower paced thoughtful horror movies it would have been completely different because you go in expecting that yeah right those uh it's important to note um for people listening those those trailers are also like they're primarily for the theater owners like it's it's the the, one of the big like i know um movie theater owners and 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 big chains and stuff get all the marketing materials beforehand and the trailers are for as much to convince theaters to book the movie as it is to convince people to go see it. So it's like even more, they're just trying to make it look like something that they can immediately recognize. Oh, this is like a horror movie. Okay. This will like, so immediately like an AMC manager will know like, okay, this is a bye bye man movie. It's going to make X amount of dollars on this weekend. I can give it, I can give it four weeks, you know, like it's, yeah, they're yeah. basically auditioning for the theater as much as they are for the audience. That's why you released it on September 30th. I mean, 2000 screens is pretty strong of an opening. Yeah, it's a lot. This is, it's Disney. So it's like, oh yeah, this will be a slasher thing for Halloween season that will, it will be a four quadrant type thing that for the whole family. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it, you know, it's like any number of those, those Bloomhouse slashers where they've, somebody's made it and they just bought it for a song and, and throw it out there right. and make, make their money back 30 times over. And it's like, well, no, yeah, of course those initial audience scores were awful. Of course you had a bunch of bored 16-year-olds who were looking at their yeah. phones halfway through it. And that this as thing, a creator, that's like my nightmare scenario. Oh, yeah. This thing should have been like – this is like a, a film you'd see at the Arclight like, or like at the local like – you know, whatever the indie theater place is where you expect, like you said, like a a more artsy slow burn type of horror yeah, or uh, but if, but there's some mainstream like you know like Get Out and Hereditary like those were marketed with trailers that are extremely moody, extremely weird, and yeah. kind of off kilter. Like it, they this is a common enough type of movie now that it's like yeah, this is for horror snobs, this is for people that are a little bit older. You right. know, it's gonna be it's gonna have some ambiguity. Like there, it, it's you they know how to market movies like this because there's been some monster hits like this. There's an audience for it, but it's mm-hmm. that's why it had to be frustrating because. Like his his attitude in this interview, which by the way is extremely compelling. I asked I yeah I asked people to go see it, especially if you're into like movie making and how movies get made, because it really gets into the the nitty gritty mm-hmm. of how the sausage is made. And that he's like he I watched Hereditary and I was extremely discouraged because like oh this is so similar to my movie and it has a lot of similar sequences or kind of the the similar things about you know some force taking people over and all that almost like well because this movie exists no one's going to want to see mine and that's not how it works no <laughs> like no you I know mean, now they're those the art house more Hereditary films are like you said they're they're kind of being shot out 
now. Like yeah. they're 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 marketing them. It's part of a machine now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, which they is definitely recognize. And it's it's so interesting because like Midsummer is a two and a half hour long slow burn horror movie, and it did really well <laughs> yeah. because they marketed it to the right people, the right audience. Right, because- People oh, knew what they go, were. Go yeah. watch the trailer for The Empty Man, and then go watch the trailer for Midsommar. Yeah, <laughs> it is night and day. Like they they know how to signal what kind of movie it is. But there's, they asked him about, and there's a quote here. I'll read part of it. They asked him about when he went and finally saw the movie with an audience, and the quote is, you know, they asked him like, "Well, how did you feel once you finally saw? Because you did get to release your movie. Like they didn't release an 85 minute version. It's, the, the cut off. It's stuff honestly, out. Like, yeah." from what you're how you're explaining how it went it's incredible to me that it turned out as well as it did yeah i think well i here's i think it's stuff like they cast steven root whether or not he knew he was doing it or not in a pivotal role that would be cut out if they tried to do the other version yeah so i think what happened was they probably looked at the footage and they're like we actually can't cut this down to like a 90 minute version it it would be there's not enough of like there there really isn't enough of the empty man the bye bye man version of the empty man you know like you would need reshoots so i think that was the decision i think they were like okay we can either spike it and make nothing do reshoots for another 10 million dollars which makes it even more of a sunk cost or we can tell this guy which is what exactly what told him you can finish it but you're not getting one more dollar of budget Right. Like, like you, then, yeah. you have to just take what you've got and, and assemble it. And he was happy to do that because it was his movie. But they're like, we're not giving you anything else. So right. from their point of view, it's like, well, it's either this or spend more to fix it. So why not just let the guy put it out there? <laughs> right. And they get, didn't care about it to such an extent that they were probably like, well, we have one person who seems to know what movie they're making. It's this guy. Let's have him do like do the thing. But we're you not going like to let him talk like to there's... marketing at all. We're not going to let yeah. him have any input into trailer. Like we're still going to try to sell it like a slasher, which right. is that's anyway. But his, the quote was, he says they asked him what he was he felt when he saw it, finally saw it. He says the studio's attitude toward the movie was so debilitating and so dismissive that I had almost been half convinced to not be proud of my movie. Wow. Then I saw for the first time in the theater and I walked out of there with a new spring in my step. It's not perfect. There are things that I wish were better funded, which I, I think is interesting phrasing. There yeah. are things that I would have done differently, but there always will be, I assume. If you get to a point where you feel like, like it's perfect, you might as well quit. Um, there are certain things I can see where it's a little rough around the edges in certain spots and things could have been more concise here and there. But overall, he said he was very happy with it because he got to make his movie and so many people don't get to you know get the movie gets taken away from them as you know the whole thing with the snyder cut right. you know you have people asking for the prior cut of this movie instead of some 85 minutes so like that at least happened and the fact yeah. that it's getting rediscovered now and why this is like my mission to tell people about it mm-hmm. is because of all that because that's that's rough and that's kind of symbolizes everything that's wrong with having one studio control half of the movies that are getting made if not more right it's it's one of the problems but yeah (laughs) i mean from Um, the creative end like there's a lot of problems but from from the point of a director and it's like wow i get to make a movie for disney it's like man you are you're on an assembly line like you'll never talk to someone who actually cares about you it 
that's the thing is it is this movie does have issues it's not perfect no but it oh it really doesn't matter because you watch it and it's such a it really is a big swing and it mostly nails it and the history that you're talking about it's like yeah i am i can't believe I'm it turned out as well as movie. it did yeah <laughs> also i quick did you guys recognize who's the main character yeah it's james badge dill oh okay yeah uh what he have was i in seen another he was Lone the, Ranger, the, uh, Iron Man three. He's the uh, guy in the Iron Patriot suit in Iron Man three. Yeah, he's the bad guy in Iron Man three. He's in a movie called The Standoff at Sparrow Creek, which I just, whenever I can, I tell people to watch that. That's oh, that's a really been on my movie. list forever. Yeah, yeah, he's the main that. character in that too. He's like a. It's interesting because he's he doesn't have many like big starring roles, but no, he's mostly this, character stuff. Yeah, this in the Empty Man or this uh, this in Sparrow Creek, it's like, damn, he he's has good taste or he's getting picked for the right things, because those are both two like indie films that I think are really good that not too many people seem to know about. I don't know. So uh, he had an extremely difficult challenge in this movie because of once you find out what the twist is. There were certain things about his performance where he had to convey that he's like losing his mind or that he's unmoored or that he doesn't really know why he's doing what he's doing that can come off as just him being wooden or, or, or whatever. Right. Um, but yeah. it's, I don't know, it's a difficult ask what he, they were asking him to, to do yeah. here. I was thinking about that coupled with the fa- like he's still good in the scenes that he gets to do in this movie. Um, I was thinking about that coupled with the fact that for gosh, like 80, 90 minutes of this movie, it's a detective story. So it's really he doesn't speak much. It's just him going yeah, from place to place with a flashlight and discovering new elements of the plot, which he's he's like gritty detective guy, which yeah. uh, is kind of the role he always plays. Yeah. Uh, same with Sparrow Creek. And it's not there- that you can't do those roles well it's just there there's not that much on the page so it was probably uh additionally challenging on top of having to convey really subtle things about you know losing his mind in this downward downward spiral spiral i do i like how he because there's i love the dynamic of tough guy doing with ghost shit that scene Uh, where they all stop and he's like uh, yeah no (laughs) he just runs away yeah, that cult scene is it's really, like, really well done. It was, yeah, because it was creepy, but then it also had that that Jack Burton moment from Big Trouble. Oh, yeah, show, show, like, oh yeah. fuck this! <laughs> it's like, like, oh, tell what the hell is that? Don't tell me. <laughs> yeah, there was a that that was a fantastic scene. Um, it's real good. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it too it, yeah. much, but it's someone watching a group from afar, and you even though there's this like safety and distance you just you don't feel safe it's still so creepy yeah yeah and it ties into what the thing that you know as we've alluded to once you go down an hour into the movie you go down the rabbit hole of what's actually going on you find he finds this cult and nothing is scarier to me than a cult for whatever reason, I, I, I have cults turn up in half the books I've written or things that, that function like cults where there's people that have been brainwashed in some way. It is, you know, in the real world, something like QAnon where you have something that's almost like a mind virus where you just start losing family members to it. And right. they start like posting QAnon memes and it's like, oh, they've, they've 
they've, they've got you. Yeah. been sucked into the QAnon. Yeah. It, somehow they've put together this idea that is so compelling to a certain type of person that they will abandon their families for it, even though it's ludicrous. Yeah. And cults have a way of doing that. They always have. They always will. Where if you're in a certain mindset in a certain place in your life, if you're a certain type of person, it, they've just got this set of ideas and slogans and practices that just unlock your brain like a key mm-hmm. and turn you into a weird robot. If you watch any documentary about people like encountering Scientologists or going up against Scientologists and when they meet a group of Scientologists, it is chilling because yeah, they have go, this uh, yeah. glazed eyed expression in their face. They, they they have these techniques and these slogans and these methods of talking that they've practiced over and over again. And it is so weird. That's why as a little kid, um, I stopped saying the Pledge of Allegiance and I wouldn't, when I would go to church with my dad, I wouldn't say the Lord's Prayer anymore <laughs> because something about everyone repeating that chant in unison really fucked with me. Yeah. Oh yeah, like, I was like, and I is, don't like this. It is like mind, as a little kid, I was like nine, ten. Yeah, it is brain science. If you get a group of people to chant or sing in unison, the critical thinking part of your brain shuts down because the group ritual part of your brain is just a different part of your brain. You know, humans are are tribal. So mm-hmm. if you, you go to a seminar, you go to a self help thing, and they make you chant a slogan over and over again, repeat it, or if they have you sing a song or, or anything like that. Um, and you know, or it's like, whereas like a call and response where the guy at the stage is making all the crowd do something in, in response to, they are trying to override your critical thinking. If you look at boot camps in the military and they've got like the little slogans they shout while they're marching. If you yep. give someone, make someone repeat a phrase over and over again. If you make them very tired, if you make them very hungry, they are putty in your hands. Uh, and it's every cult, even cults that have been started independently and never met each other, they all arrive at the same playbook because it is it is a proven one. Yeah. It's also, there's an element. And this movie touches on it without ever really hitting it directly on the head. But cults uh, specifically seek out people who are uh, vulnerable. So you'll find a lot of like recovering addicts or people who just went through a major loss. And that's in this movie, like the uh the girl lost her father um and that's how she got swept up into this group but they never they don't like belabor it but it is there and like she i mean we're already spoiling it but like the idea is that the detective character is just a con like they created him he's a golem basically they they yeah. used a, a, a group think to conjure him uh, they use the term tulpa yeah. Uh, yep. I believe, they sure do. Which it's, which X Files is that? Arcadia, where the villains a tulpa. Yep. It's a uh, Twin but Peaks. It's like a trash it, it turns up man. in Twin Peaks too. It's basically you've used thought to manifest a person. It's it's a few yeah. movies and properties. So I think there's yeah. a tulpa in the X Files at one point. I'm sure. Yeah. Sure yeah, there yeah, was. It's Arcadia. It's a tr- it's a great. That's the, Mulder that's... and Scully have to go undercover oh, you as a married couple. Saying the name of an X Files episode, there. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I thought <laughs> you guys are so deep into X Files, yeah. <laughs> yeah. chronicling too that deep. I too deep. Uh, yeah. You're too citing deep. specific episode names to so. Uh, yeah. And but yeah anyway, is... my point was she she put that grief onto him. She gave him the grief of losing a wife and child and the guilt of having an affair on top of it. But none of that happened. She put that onto him. So here's where. It, 
I am hesitant to say anything negative about this because, uh, again, I want people to go watch it. The, if I have a complaint about the movie, and I think reading the interview with David Pryor, I think he kind of shares this idea that the closest in most movies that are pointed at teens where they find the artifact that grants you five wishes and they're all murderous or where you accidentally summon the bloody Mary from your mirror or whatever. Right. There's always a scene where they run to the person who knows what's going on. The expert expert says, well, you know, I found this old book and (laughs) this guy was murdered by the townspeople in 1923. And, uh, because he was falsely accused of blah, blah, blah. Sometimes they'll literally like Skype in a famous actor. What movie was that with Vincent D'Onofrio Skypes into the movie That's, to explain uh, everything? It's it's um uh sinister. Sinister. There was a there was a time because he was also in I think Rings. He was in Rings. Where like yeah. Vincent D'Onofrio kept showing up to explain. He was a, he was actually in Rings though because you remember he turns out to be the bad guy. Oh okay yeah. Like he's yeah. actually in it, but yeah. they they literally just Skype him in a. Uh, sinister. Uh, sinister he's just yeah. on a computer screen yeah and people who don't have never read any of my books my horror series the john dies at the end books it, the, the recurring there's a recurring joke beat where every time they encounter someone who knows what's going on they're either lying or they're crazy or else the main characters are just not paying attention it, like, <laughs> like it keeps setting up we're going to run to someone who understands what's happening and it just keeps not not working it's that that person dies partway through or whatever because anyone writing horror that scene is in there somewhere you know you go to the the hero goes to the library and finds the microfilm if that still exists Mm -hmm. right so nowadays they just google it uh, yeah Uh, and whatever we could but they can't call it google in most movies so it's like right search monster dot com yeah. it's like wait <laughs> a it's second a, if, it, if it's if it's a sony movie they're using bing for some unholy right. reason yeah, it's wait a second uh, thir- 13 <laughs> children were killed in this house back when it was an asylum <laughs> in 1904 um the closest this gets to that is there's a scene at the end where the guy finally comes face to face with the girl he's the the missing girl he's been tracking through the whole movie mm-hmm. and she basically tells him what's happening and says, you're a tulpa, we did this, we did this, and, and, and she kind of has to, it's the closest this movie comes to that, because up to that point, this movie has been brilliant about you grabbing pieces of information that are intriguing, but kind of just raise more questions, and it, it keeps right. implying that it's bigger and worse, the situation is bigger and worse than what you thought, like it does yeah. a great job of parceling out information, and then finally at the end, I think he as a screenwriter knew, or maybe someone told him, or maybe on a revision, but at some point somebody's like, no, he has to meet this. Like, like you could do a version of this ending where there's no dialogue, where you just see stuff happen, and you see what, like him realizing that, like calling that woman, and she doesn't know who he is, the, the yep, woman right. who you thought had been his friend the whole movie, and without really... And then let the the viewer kind of put together, oh, he didn't exist prior to the events of this movie. And this movie doesn't do that. He he has a conversation where she gives him the first full expedition, exposition dump of here's what has mm-hmm. been happening up till now. Yeah. And that's the only time I feel like the movie doesn't it's, work because I feel like what she's explaining 
the way she explains it kind of undoes what was supposed to be like the emotional core of the movie. And I get why that would turn people off. And I don't yeah. know that you needed I that. There's this, uh, in terms of screenwriting, I think there's a, a hump that you have to get over where like, I've written enough stuff where like you get feedback that's like, you need to explain this better. Uh, and you don't want to right? like, sometimes it's like, no, I want, I want people to, either yep. figure it out or not yep. but if you're trying to get something made it needs to be something that you can slap down in front of anybody and they'll get it so there's always the over explaining there's a push pull yeah i've gotten that i've gotten yeah that. i've gotten that feedback before on i th on stuff. yeah and so i do think this would have been more effective because they you know what it reminded me of a little bit and i i wonder if this also gave people like bad associations is the wicker man because it's kind of similar where they're like, no, it's all about you. Yeah, it's always been it you. Was, you were the game the always, whole time, yeah. Exactly. This missing person it, it wasn't missing. We were doing that. So, yeah, I think uh, if it, they, they really have to spell it out. Um, but I did like some of that where they're like, you were born in a restaurant with the like waitstaff singing happy birthday because it's the first scene of him. Sort the of idea we, that we, like the first time we see him, he's actually in his shop and he sells the lady. Oh, the, you're right. The, the yeah. pepper spray. Yeah. And he has a, a little like a gift certificate or whatever gift card for the restaurant. That's like free birthday, right. free birthday meal. And that's the first time you. Uh, yeah. And in the, the twist again, we're fully spoiling it. You can stop the recording now. I, it, my my favorite to every podcast host. I keep telling people to stop listening oh, yeah. to the podcast. Mm -hmm. But but in seri <laughs> seriously though, <laughs> you can watch the end. You can watch the movie and then come back and listen to the rest of it because we're getting into the the actual ending and the actual. Some people think that knowing the twist ruins the movie, but no good movie relies on right the it's twist the execution. Yeah. There's that, also I know yeah. a lot of people who just like prefer. Like, I know people who literally read the Wikipedia of a movie before they watch it. Mm -hmm. Like, there's some people who just don't like being surprised. Well, especially uh, with horror movies. Some people don't want... Especially with horror, yeah. Oh, yeah. They don't want to be and traumatized by it's something that, you know... Right. If people have past trauma, like, sometimes yeah. you don't want to be surprised. Yeah, you sometimes don't want to get don't... surprised by some shit, yeah. I've, yeah. I've had a couple of disastrous... <laughs> oh, yeah. ...movie viewings because of that. Yeah, yeah. especially in my case, it, this is dumb, but if, like, the dog dies in the movie that's something i want to know before i make the decision to watch it right uh that's my thing right well the dog dies in this movie <laughs> i thought uh, it was a cat no that was a i think there were multiple uh, animals that die in this movie Tom. yeah 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 there well, are to be clear to dog. be clear they're already dead yeah, yeah they, we don't nothing we don't see an animal die in this but we you find corpses. corpses of animals you don't come to love an animal and then see it like horribly killed which is the thing yeah. that yeah. i can't like the dog and i am legend yeah which yeah, right. which is yeah i stopped watching that movie at that point yeah um, that's okay you stopped watching it at the correct point <laughs> <laughs> the movie gets way 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 worse after that but, the first hour of that movie is very good and then it goes straight off a cliff if I think when he talks about like rough edges or about things that could have been executed better, whatever, I, sus I would suspect he would probably cut that ending differently if he could. But I only say that because it is extremely difficult to do a twist that works on every level. It is extremely difficult. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, the, yeah. There's been we have seen so many movies with bad twists where the twist is just it feels obligatory. Like in the Wonder Woman movie, which I mostly the first one, which I mostly liked, 
but the twist is like the guy that was nice to her all along is actually <laughs> the villain. David and it's Seuss. like it added nothing. <laughs> it's it, there's no reason for it. It makes no sense. Or, you know, and you can tell that a twist was added in, like, the fifth draft where there's literally nothing foreshadowing right. it. Like, why would, right. why would the Greek god of war be living as a British politician? Right. And still <laughs> look like the British politician in the flashbacks of his yeah, Greek yeah, god of war days. he's all jacked. <laughs> yeah. He still have, like, the same facial hair. If I, am I remembering that right or I dream that? Yeah. No, you remember correct. Have you watched, yeah. the, have you watched Zack Snyder's Justice League yet? Oh, yes, I have. Because he comes back. Oh my no god! No spoilers, guys. I haven't watched it. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't want. I don't want it spoiled. <laughs> that that recut of a movie from like I, several uh, years I ago. I wrote. I wrote over uh, an entire article just about his brief scene in that movie, and it really made a lot of fan, uh, Zack Snyder fans angry <laughs> because it was very funny to me. Anyway, so everyone listening to this can think of a movie whose twist they've hated. Because the next time you watch the movie, you realize, well, that didn't make sense. It, High it, tension. You know. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's or the thing where in James Bond, it's it's uh, they introduced. I can't remember the actor's name, but he turns out it's like I secretly did all of the oh, stuff in the previous. Spectre, yeah. Uh, Christoph Waltz. Christoph Waltz. Yeah. I secretly have done all of the things in the previous movies that, that clearly, yeah, kind of clearly like ruins the other movie. Cause when like those yeah, movies were made yeah. clearly were not, that was not intended. No. And like, like, especially movies. like, like a movie like Skyfall where it was like the villain had a very personal vendetta and it's like, Nope, I yeah. engineered it all. It's like, okay, what are you it talking all, about? The, the where behind it all always falls apart. Even in good movies, like spoiler, but like the game, which I guess is a movie from 97. That doesn't make any sense, no. that twist. Oh, yeah. But it doesn't it's, matter. Doesn't it's, matter. It's I still funny. enjoy that movie. You can... It, it's funny, because uh, it's a Fincher film. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we're talking about this guy who's BFFs with Fincher. Uh, right. You can read interviews with David Fincher where he's like, oh, yeah, that movie doesn't work after <laughs> after the yeah. first time you watch it. Yeah. There's a lot of that where, yeah, the, the twist is... It's it's the it's the thing where you need a twist where it's like it does feel clever at the moment, uh, and hopefully you don't think about it too much. There's the mm -hmm. movie Perfect Stranger that goes the other way, where Holly Berry ends up being the killer, even though she has scenes where she's by herself and she's afraid of the killer. Right. It's like, it's high tension. It's, like, it's it's impossible. Yeah, exactly. Where it's like, oh, you can't. You're cheating. Mm -hmm. You're just cheating. Yeah. At or that point. You're just my cheating. favorite, where it's like this whole movie was a hallucination on your part including scenes you weren't in yeah, right. yeah. things yep. you weren't there to see were part of a hallucination you were having so this conversation that these cops were having miles away that you didn't hear yeah that was also part of your yeah, mad, your madness that, you uh, imagined a scene you weren't there for that's how crazy you are it was all part of your programming you, for the you secret. manifested yeah people. remember yeah. um uh, Capone did that. Remember that, Dave? Oh, like, yeah. Barely the, remembering Capone. With like Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon turns out to be an imaginary friend, but we get a scene with Matt Dillon by himself with his girlfriend. <laughs> yes. And it's like, wait. It's like, what the... F did, did Al Capone imagine this too? Yeah. yeah. Gave so, a whole uh, backstory? Uh, again, that's a case where was it added in reshoots, the twist? Was it added in a late dra draft of the script? Was it... What? And the answer is, or do they just truly assume you just only watch the movie once? Who cares? Right. <laughs> so doing a twist that works. Like, I feel like 
the sixth sense, no matter what has happened in my Shyamalan in the year since. I feel like that twist, which changed cinema, that became the day when every movie had to have a twist. Even even a, a Disney cartoon has to have a twist at the end where the villain turns yeah. out to be good or something. It works beautifully because, one, it makes sense basically based on the, the rules they yeah. established that the, that the ghosts are not fully sane that they're not able to, and, and you know once you die and you're a ghost you're you've kind of you're deranged like you're convincing yourself well, you're still alive right specifically it's denial like yeah, ghost denial yeah. to the point and then but two it <clears> does not undermine the emotional core of the movie because throughout the movie bruce willis has been this guy who's in this midlife crisis he had this tragedy with a patient. He has never forgiven himself. He's estranged from his wife. He's just kind of wandering around, and then he runs into this kid who can talk to dead people, and it's this interesting case. And then when you find out he's dead, it brings his character arc to closure because mm-hmm. it's like he was adrift. He was wandering around as a, a spirit. He had died. It makes perfect sense. It's, he was not suffering from a midlife crisis. He was suffering from having lost his actual life and could mm-hmm. not come to terms with it. He couldn't. Yeah, he couldn't make the things right with and his patient. And his, yeah. his um, wife, yeah. talent brought him the reality of that and brought him to a close and brought this kid's arc to a close, too, because he talked yep. to someone who could who could talk back and help him work through what this these abilities mean. And he helped him. They helped each other. It all wraps itself nicely. And if you watch the movie a second time, it works. A it still holds time. up, yeah, this, because the story yeah. is still Haley there. Haley yeah. Joel Osment's guys, character and Bruce Willis's character and the way they play off each other and seeing it recontextualized, it it makes sense. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't diminish it at all. Right? Uh, do you, you guys know the the yep. the wildest fact about that script? Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's like that the was, sixth draft before yeah. he added that part. Yeah, yep. <laughs> Which is so, so crazy because it's, so, it's so it's so perfect. It's like it had. Of course, this is. I feel like we've is. all hit those, right? Where we're like, oh, I've been building up to this thing the whole yep. time and oh, didn't yeah. even realize you, Sometimes it. you just can't see it when you're in there. Yeah. Like when you're in the weeds, you just can't see it. Well, it's just like, yeah. have both of you seen this full series of Breaking Bad? Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, it's like it's like Jesse, as a character, is supposed to show up for like one episode to get Walt into meth and is to disappear. He's supposed to get killed or something. Yeah, he right. was going to get killed off in the first season. It was not far into the series when they realized, oh, this is what the show is about. Is this surrogate father and son relationship between Walter and this and Jesse? Like, this is what yeah. the show's about. We we did not know. This is not the show we pitched. This is not what we set out to make. But seeing the two on screen with each other. And seeing this concept of like these two people on different moral arcs, like one guy's being corrupted and one guy's corrupt think, and, and is yeah. trying to, and like seeing how this these two intersect with each other and eventually, you know, and it's like, oh, this is the heart of the show, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I feel like it makes a show like Breaking Bad go down a little bit easier because like I really liked The Shield as well, but The Shield is tough to rewatch because it's just about downfall. Yeah. Whereas Breaking Bad, it's about Walter White's downfall, but also it's about Jesse's redemption. So you still have that. It's like, oh, there's something here. So this is not like a total bummer. And that sometimes (laughs) in father-son relationships, it's the mistakes of the father that you learn from. Mm -hmm. That you can be, you can see the horrible things the father figure does and decide, I'm not going to be that. That it's not not carrying on a torch. It's choosing to drop it. 
and so then that you know, on that end of the series when Jesse like walks away from Walter and it's like no I'm not you know do it yourself and then he he drives away and he's free not just of that compound but he's free of Walter White and it all works beautifully and it was all an accident it was all because they <laughs> they happened to cast a brilliant actor as Jesse and the two of them together it's just amazing and it all happens it all happens on on the fly and so yeah anyone out there creating things. If you ever get upset that your your things doesn't work or you have to change it or you have to rework it, man, you may be about to stumble into the thing you didn't know you were you were making. Yeah. Um do we have any more like any more final thoughts about this movie? Well, man, <laughs> final thoughts. I I feel like we barely touched on the movie, but you're it's, it's probably for the best because yeah people can still sort yeah, of yeah. watch it i was i mean we're talking about other movies now <laughs> so <was> like, oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, trying to bring I, the conversation back to i was just gonna say that it's this is a movie where once you if you watch it a second time i don't know 100 percent that it it makes sense or that you'll you'll necessarily get the enjoyment out of there it is because like like it I, turns out most of his investigation didn't happen because you see him talking to right. cops and the cops know him and he was an ex-cop but it's like oh so he didn't exist so that conversation wasn't real were those cops real and that i can get why people would say well all of the stuff the emotional core of the character which is that he's in a state of grief over the loss of his wife and his child and he's he's like trying to seek out this lost kid as redemption like i can save this kid where i couldn't save my own blah 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 and then right. for that, at the end, it's like, oh, no, it's you hallucinated your wife, child, the affair, everything you've done. It's all it. We all just programmed it. Right. But I also would say the the writer said in that interview that no one when he sees like like critics talking about the movie, no one really gets the ending. And I would think he's implying that the stuff about him being a tulpa and have him, him having just been born that that may have been a lie that that's just part of the cult's programming yeah i think it is and that the way cults work is they detach you from everything in your life they make it look like everything mm-hmm. in your life up till now was just misery and now you're finally among you finally found your purpose it's so the line she tells him that comes across in the movie like the villain explaining his plan on a on a whiteboard <laughs> and yeah. what was the leo to kept shutter island he literally has like a yeah like a whiteboard yeah. it's and it's we've the, 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 i still like shutter island because it's well made because it's scorsese but like man the the audience is already there and it takes leo two hours to get there yeah, oh, like, yeah. you're the makes, prisoner you're the missing makes, prisoner there's, there's definitely <laughs> no like, sense whatsoever absolutely yeah. does not it does not hold up that they would do what they that they would stage this elaborate prank basically on this but, as uh, part of his therapy or whatever. It really yeah. is like a, an art of figuring out how to do a twist because I've been thinking about uh, the movie The Witch, and it's not really a twist, but it's implied that like everything that happens is a recruitment technique in that movie, or yes. like it's a it's a it's a coven attracting her to it but yes. they again there's no point where they're like so here's what we did uh they don't explain it no, you, because the cl- movie works clear. whether or not yeah. you understand exactly that. and that's why i think, I think yeah. this movie didn't need that scene you just right. need to show him coming unmoored from his previous life 
and he right. is now an empty man. He's part of their cult. Yeah, which it's which just lies were true? Him down. Yeah, or yeah. which hallucinations were true? Or is the stuff he's seen is it really happening or not? Did you know, when he shot, shoots the guy in the head? The, it doesn't matter. The story is that this guy has become unmoored because that's what cults do to people. And yeah, yeah, they, he doesn't know what's truth or what's a lie. Yeah, they specifically gaslight. And there's a lot of yeah. there's a lot of moments where you could like when he's in the police station, for instance, when he goes there, he brings them the files. And the one detective wants him to write a statement. And there's a bunch of cops that are kind of like side eyeing him. Um, right. And then like a couple of scenes he has with the mom where she like when he drops her off at the hotel, she lingers for a bit like she wants to say something to him, but then she leaves. Um, right. And then when he finds his own file and it's full of like his personal shit and like photographs of his family, he's like, how did how do you, how do you have this? But we see later that his house is empty. They could have cleaned out his house. They know where he lives. Right. Um, and so, so it's like, like there. It's yeah. They the seeds are there where it could be that he. They are just convincing him that he's a construct. Right. It staying ambiguous is great because yeah. When when they create hard rules, then yeah, it's the question of like, wait, why do the cops know about his past if he's a tulpa? So on and so forth. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. It really it it could have been a lot looser at the end, which is funny because that's just less. Like the director just had to include less, yeah, as opposed to shoot anything else. That doesn't cost anything, you know. Yeah, you just um, take some stuff out. It's an editing choice, and maybe they were scared. Like, no, we can't. We really, uh, after all this marketing and everything, like if we really confuse people at the end, it's gonna piss people off more. I don't know, but had this been presented like a movie like The Witch and everybody knew what they were going into, it would have been really good if, yeah, they had told you very little uh, at the end about what was happening Mm -hmm. or what the truth was. Yeah, as long as we got the idea of, like, he's been driven into this cult. It does enough throughout the movie, too, where it just... it, it It makes, like, visual connections so you know... Like, uh, like when we see the, the robed figure in, in the prologue does the same, like mirroring footsteps and rapid footsteps that the cult later does. So we're like, oh, okay, we can connect that. Like the movie does enough so that you make connections, but it doesn't explain why those things are connected. Right. You just know that they are and that that's bad. Yeah. It's not good. Definitely not good. Not ideal. I can say that the times I've written twists into stories, which is most times, I personally had to start with the twist and build out. It's the the book that I always yeah, that's... am coming on here to promote the, called Zoe Punches the Future and the Dick. It has, spoiler, a twist that the story started with that twist and worked backward Mm-hmm. Because yep. I I couldn't make it work otherwise. I'm not a good enough writer to just come up on the fly and then work backward. It's like no, it has to like it has to fit one with the theme of the story. It's got to fit with the, the theme of the character. It can't undo any of the emotional arc where it's like oh you thought you were you were doing this, but it was all you dreamed it. You dreamed it all. It's not that it's more about bringing it around to this person's their what they already fear, you know, yeah. and their own personal blind spots and that you think you're yeah. chasing a person, but you're actually chasing a system. And yeah. I think, cause otherwise what's the point of the journey? 
Right. I think the idea of a good twist, right, is that it always existed, right? It needs yes. to be part of well, the foundation. It's it a needs mystery. To be, it's a mystery. Needs, you work backward exactly. from the solution. Yeah. And right. then you. Like, I think the, it's the same works with horror in general, is I like the idea of having very specific rules in your mind, and then you only show people pieces of that. So it feels yes. disjointed, but it's consistent. This uh, brings up a question um, that I realize i wanted to ask jason uh jason do you care if i spoil john dies at the end the first book um no i don't know i don't care uh how did you feel the movie takes out the idea that that david wong is a is a is a is a clone right um did that was that like super important to the story it did that how did you feel when that wasn't included in the adaptation I'm just it's, curious. It's super important to the book. A lot of the stuff that that ties into is also not in the movie. If you were making a second movie, that's that would be in there. But I get why if you if you have like it's a tight again 90 minute movie, 100 minute movie, whatever mm-hmm. from a book that's 155,000 words long. That's a it's longish a de- it's a book. Dense it could book. be a lot happens in it. <laughs> it could be a season of of a TV show and maybe one day will be, I don't who knows. Um mm. that so to add that on at the end when you've had to take out a lot of the the connective tissue like a lot of the sequence that led up to it, it would mm-hmm. feel like just, I think it would just come across as one more crazy twist, like on top of yeah. everything else. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, you know, like finding out that, that the, the narrator who's interviewing him is not alive and, and just all that. It would just feel like, uh, it right. Was gratuitous. To add that on top of that. I think, yeah, so, yeah, I think there's a, the, the, oh, well, it, it's like the intro is still like the ship of the CS thing. The only it's, it's the ax that, and you say, well, that was supposed to be symbolism true, yeah. for what, <laughs> Just yeah. watched WandaVision. That didn't even occur to me that you started your story with the same riddle. Yeah, but and so in the book, it's supposed to be it starts with that, and then, and then you find out that the narrator this entire time has been someone else, but he seems to be the same. So he's like, "Well, is it still me?" Um, and so you, I, I think people would complain that it starts off with that riddle, and then it doesn't it doesn't have that payoff. But one, if there was another movie, there would be, and we the feeling was always that there would be more stuff if people wanted to see it. God willing, it's just as we have explained, sometimes that can be difficult to pull off in Hollywood. That too, I think without that, it's just a brief insight into how the narrator thinks. It's a very quick look into the world he's living in and that he's kind of overthinking it. But not in a way that's useful at all. <laughs> like, Yeah, I was going to say, it still works just at face value because it kind of introduces the idea that there is this crazy uh, other world of the supernatural and like his attitude towards it. And yeah, yeah, the, the idea that's like, if I, it's not worth it. It's not worth the effort to think about why any of this is happening. It's just happening. So we'll just right. deal with it. And that, that what we now think of as like the, the millennial way of thinking where it, it's somebody who doesn't have a career and doesn't have like a purpose in life. And so he's just obsessed with like trivia and thought exercises and just and so he like has these observations about what's going on and what's going on is madness 
but all all he can do is kind of like think things about it, but he's not effective at fighting it or anything. <laughs> it's so it's you know it's supposed to be like this archetype of the character in the twenty something character is just kind of adrift, but it's smart, but it's just not trained to do anything. So that opening riddle is it's just like this is what's running through his mind. This is remembering this insanity that happened to him, and the, uh, so I think it works on its own like that. But that's the kind of thing. You convert a, a book into a movie. There's a years long process of this right. tortured, emotionally gut wrenching experience of like what you wanted. Like this guy says, it, 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 I read that quote earlier from David Pryor. And it's like there are some scenes I wish were better funded. That's yeah, I get so the, perfect. I get the sense. Also, though, yeah, when you're that, adapting a novel, I think it's I I there has been authors who've done the like the screenplay of their novels that just sounds exhausting though because it is it's it's like how the best stephen king adaptations are usually the ones where they're like we're throwing out most of the things well it's stanley kubrick just saying look i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna tell the story the way i know how to tell it like we're from i'm from a different part of the world i have a totally different worldview but it's going to be all style. It's all going to be like the menace is going to come it's, from the filmmaking. And Stephen King, like, well, it's like, no, the menace comes from the words, the beautiful words right. I wrote. And like, there are ways to stay um, true to the original like content. But like most of the time, it's like I, it's so dense. Yeah. Uh, the novel that it's like I have to take things out and I'm going to sit here and hope that the things I take out aren't going to uh, piss off too many people, you well, know? There's there's two sides to that. The one side is like it's a big job to tackle, but like for example, Michael Crichton got paid five hundred thousand dollars to write the screenplay for Jurassic Park. Oh yeah. So it's yeah. like yeah, if you're gonna pay me half a million dollars to try to turn this into a movie, yeah, I'll give it a shot. And then of course they why... just they bring David Kep in to make it a movie, right? <laughs> but then you also have that's... like oh, what's that? Oh no, go on. I was just gonna say uh, I remember John Grisham in the 90s famously uh, had an interview when his book started to blow up and get made into movies and they're like how do you feel about the adaptations like look once they they can do whatever they want <laughs> like i wrote the book my thing exists they can do whatever yeah. they want with it stan-, stan lee was the same where he's just like i just like seeing versions of stuff i made yeah that's probably <laughs> like, really cool to see what yeah. other people do with your idea yeah yeah absolutely also i, don't know, I think the miniseries now the rise of that is like i've said it before i want to see a miniseries of jurassic park i want to see them go back to the novels and Mm -hmm. be like forget like it's such a it would be such a bold thing to say but be like yeah all right we have the spielberg version let's do like a nuanced miniseries version that's just like more faithful Uh, to the book because that book yeah is surprisingly dense oh yeah and so like fuck it why not yeah give it a shot that's we could do a whole episode on like the art of adapting things because like oh, yeah. here yeah, this, no, let's, <laughs> let's let's not forget this guy started by adapting a graphic novel and immediately scrapped every word of it other than the, the broad concept and the universe right. that it takes place in. That's so, interesting. There's a uh, Boom Studios did a couple of uh, specifically Lovecraft graphic novels. They did a Call of Cthulhu run um, that were pretty good. Uh, so it's interesting that this seems to be their. their oh, is one that of, the same people who did? The yeah, that's the same people. Yeah, did the, the Empty Man. Man. Yep. Yeah, and it's, this is like an eight issue run that can now be bought as one edition, which I guess is how they always do it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and it's and it's out there, and I it's probably good. I think it has twelve reviews on Amazon, so not many Jeez. people have have read this. Wow. Yeah, um, but 
yeah, it's because if you're a writer, it, novels and screenplays, one, are very different. <laughs> you guys have both written screenplays, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. It's a very different thing. It, it yes, is it not. Is. It is not <laughs> just yeah, extremely. If you're writing a script for something that's actually going to get made versus just something you're writing on spec, like you want to get it out there. Writing a novel, whatever I want to happen happens. If this yep. fight takes place on the lip of a volcano on Mars, boom, that's where it is. If you're writing a movie. And you know, like, let's say you've got a budget of, I don't know, this movie had a budget of $4 million. So you got $4 million to spend. You have to write it knowing what you've got to spend mm -hmm. and knowing right. what you can make look good. You have to know something about filmmaking to write a script that, that works. You know, again, once you know, again, if it's actually going to get made, where you actually know what your budget's going to be, you know what your limitation's going to be, you got to think in those terms. So that if you've got a key sequence that's like a pivotal sequence that requires them to shoot it in Japan. Right. The reality is they're going to come back and say, okay, well, what if this takes place in their kitchen? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's the first thing you write in a scene is interior, exterior. Those three letters determine a lot because when you're shooting exterior, it's so much harder because there's so much right to as soon control. as right as like, soon as a producer reads ext they're like Ugh. yeah it's like <laughs> oh all right so yeah there is that element of like yeah especially if you're starting out if you're doing like indie it's like yeah you need you need to it's it's why there's so there's so much found footage or why there's so many horror movies have you noticed there's a bunch of horror movies that take place in the woods lately <laughs> and there are a lot of indie movies and i think it's just they're like ah we can shoot in the woods pretty easily and we don't have Not to manage that easily, we don't have to get a like, permit we don't have to manage crowds yeah like it's still a nightmare to shoot in the woods but it's just there's yeah there's certain there's a couple of logistical elements that are removed yeah but yeah in terms of money it's just cheaper yeah uh, yeah so like if, yeah so if you oh, sorry. if you asked me to write a, a movie version of john dies dan for instance you would get one of two things you would either get a four hour long epic that would cost 300 million dollars to shoot <laughs> or if i were being honest with myself you would get a completely new story Pared down, pared way down, something that limits the number of people involved, something that limits the, it all takes place in that town. Because I would try very hard to go the other direction. It's like, I want to make sure that what I write stays in. So I would, yeah. you know, like one of the first things, the, the main monsters in the movie, the, in the books, the shadow people do not turn up in the movie. That is, there's no way to make them look menacing in a movie without a whole bunch of CGI done on a very large scale. And, and if you don't do it well, then they just look comical. And, and these are the creatures that are not supposed to be comical. Right. So I would, I would have written something that was even different, even more different than the movie turned out to be, because I would be thinking, okay, in order to preserve what I'm writing here, it's all got to be scaled down. Like this scene that takes place in a moving car is going to now going to take place in a room. And this, because I have some awareness just by being around people of what goes into, you know, I've written videos. Like I, I have some sense of like Tom said that you, the moment you do an exterior location, it now costs five times more to shoot it. 
So I would actually probably go back to scratch with the characters and have key beats that I wanted, but otherwise write it new, brand new. And just because, because it's mine, I wouldn't feel bad about doing that. But it would not be right. something like the the Fifty Shades of Grey lady who was like demanding all of these specific things be in the movie that, <laughs> and these really bad lines and stuff that, that they kept trying to talk her out of. It's like no, this this must it must be scene for scene, including I stuff that when I was writing this as fanfic. These story right, threads that I like fan fiction. Yeah, these story threads that I wrote and then forgot about. That's got to go in the movie, too. It's all it's sacred lore now. The fans demand it. Where I, I introduced this, this stalker character and then it just turned out to be nothing. That's all got to go in. It's, yeah. it's like you can't. It, it, there are very few people that can be like that. So you could either choose to be realistic about it or else admit that you're just not going to be involved. And for the most part, authors are not like people get surprised yeah. when I say I don't know the status of this. The you know the, the Zoe books has the TV rights to those I sold before the first book was published. They they sold when it was still in process. Um, it's still out there. Someone is conceivably still trying to make a show out of it. As far as I know, it's that um, I'm not. I'm not wandering around on set. I'm not in LA. Like it's, that's just not how it works unless you're a superstar author. But even as, as, as Tom said earlier, even some famous ones who you would think would be, would have like producer credits or whatever. Don't it's like, right. no, it's, it. they took it. It's like, we're taking it from here. Yep. Yeah. You, uh, at a certain point you have to let go and like hope because there is there's nothing better than the feeling of some some bullshit you put in that actually makes it in even though it costs more that's always great i think about just writing um uh, sketches at cracked where like th there was still this compromise where it's like you need to cut like this many pages off this part it, that you that you wrote that doesn't mean anything you have to get rid of this because it's not the main thesis or whatever and there was no better feeling than like getting a bullshit joke that didn't matter still put in because they like it that much yeah um and that's how it feels like like when uh, like writing this stuff where it's like thinking about budget where it's like what are they willing to pay for? Like, is this worth them paying for? Is it good enough for them to say, oh, yeah, we'll find the money for this? Or just uh, thinking in terms of, like, how many people are in a scene. That if you've got a character yeah. in a scene and they don't say anything. It's like, well, you, you paid for that person to be there for the day. And you just had them sitting at a table. It's like, well, when they actually shoot it, the actor is going to be like, why am I here? Or right. write oh, a yeah. line for me. G give me something to do. Like I'm an expensive extra, but because if you're just writing a book, who cares? It's you know you yeah, put it anybody, anybody. Uh, you know <laughs> you have as many extras as you want. You can do whatever. But in real life, it's it's like well, no. If this if you depict them, uh, you know, walking across a bridge, we got to find a bridge. If you depict them walking across a bridge and then they throw something down into the water, we got to now got to find a bridge that's over water that we can shoot on. Uh, yeah. Could they have just used a trash can? You know, like <laughs> yeah. Oh man, we're we're getting in the weeds. <laughs> so all right. Um, all right. Uh, okay. Final thoughts. <laughs> Go see this movie. There's there's no reason to to give any more details about it. Go see it. It's extremely well Watch made. It. If you like horror, if you like Lovecrafting horror, if you just like well made horror like Hereditary, all of the good 
mm-hmm. a little bit longer movies with subtext and all of that adult stuff, go see it. It is called The Empty Man. It is on it is on Amazon Prime. I don't know if it's on Shutter or any of the other. I, who, it's not. I had I to know. rent it. Okay. Um, but it's a rental. It's, it's like five it's worth bucks. Uh, it, yeah. it, it, we're, you're in a drought of releases. You can't tell me there's other stuff you could be watching. It's <laughs> you, you instead of watching the four hour Snyder cut, which is fine. Uh, this is <laughs> fine. once once you've watched that. Uh, this is a it's a good thing. This good project to support. I want this guy to make more movies. He has nothing going right now because of the pandemic. That's what he said in the interview. Like he's kind of just in stasis. Uh, I wanted to make more movies. This is a very capable piece of filmmaking. Um, I'm eager to see what he what he comes up with. Yeah, same. Uh, Jason, thank you so much for show, like telling me about this. Yeah, because I like yeah. This is this is my jam. It's like li- like weird uh, 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 slow burn horror. Uh, like I said, this movie gave me an odd comfort throughout, where I just felt very like uh, despite it being a horror movie like i just felt very relaxed watching it yeah it's well constructed Uh, it's well constructed just if you're a fan of movie making yeah it's it's like i don't know i liked the environments in it uh the rain the the look of it the the the, like the fincher association really makes sense and then it also Mm -hmm. just has some truly creepy scenes there's Uh, multiple scenes and images that stick in your mind and yes. for horror, that oh, is yeah. one of the the iconography and just the moments that stick with you. That's one of the great things you can achieve with horror. This has multiple moments like that. It does. It it has uh, maybe one, maybe two jump scares, but the jump scares aren't cheap, and they don't. I don't. I barely I remember them. Really the things them that stick scare, with me. Yeah. yeah, the things that stick with me are the these these really creepy. Uh, I don't know. It's and it's just people. It's just dealing with people and images. You know, it's it's uh, yeah. the bridge scene and the cult scene later. I don't know. It's good. Yeah, check it out, people. Watch this shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the exercise for the listeners after you've watched the movie, knowing how the title of this movie, The Empty Man, stigmatized it as a bad slasher movie. On your own, think up some better titles for this movie. Yeah. Because obviously that the graphic novels from 2014, when they wrote that, they you know it probably was a very cool title. But knowing that people were going to assume <laughs> it was a sequel to the Bye Bye Man or whatever, Again, I, I've never seen the Bye Bye Man. I, I we have referenced it 37 times this podcast. I don't know why we've chosen that as our whipping I, boy. There's a whole genre of these bad slashers, but I have I started the Bye Bye Man, and that's the that's most review story. I can give. <laughs> I began the movie and I did not finish it. It's what is the Wicker Man? I would say the the remake, the Bye Bye Man, Slender Man. Like it's it really is like a yeah. name issue where yeah. it's like don't do the blank man because we'll just assume it's a bad movie. We'll just assume I, it sucks. Yeah, I, I get what they're doing. I get that it's a trick, but in in today's world where there's so many things to watch, that's not good. Just just <laughs> give it a more yeah. intriguing title. Uh, let people discover it. So, yeah. yeah, Cool. Well, thank you so much for doing the show, Jason. Do you, is there anything you want to plug or what do you want to tell people just, about? Just the book. Just the book forever until the next <laughs> book is written. Uh, Zoe <laughs> Punches the Future in the Dick. It's it's a title that's fairly easy to remember. Or you can yeah, just see uh, type my name into Amazon and you'll, you'll see all of the books there. I've written f- five of them. Yeah. Check Damn, it out. you have, haven't you? <laughs> 
<laughs> yep, the sixth the sixth one will be fam- will be finished in about three months it looks like that is awesome that's pretty exciting yeah that's dope uh um, dave why don't you tell me what we got going on yeah we have we have a patreon patreon.com slash gamefully unemployed uh there's exclusive podcasts on there for five dollars a month you can listen to tom and jeff watch batman and fox Mulder is a maniac mm. uh two two exclusive podcasts a week uh so i don't know that's that's a pretty good deal uh every friday night we watch movies with our patrons we watched uh, over the top uh rad and, and rad the punisher and the punisher <laughs> yep we sure this did last friday so you know if if that speaks to you uh check it out uh we also have a store tpublic.com slash store slash gameplay and employee where you get t-shirts masks mugs stickers posters all kinds of things uh so check that out yeah any of these things yeah. and check out the empty man yeah do that all right yeah it's uh i don't know what do you yeah what do you have to lose Man, what do you got folks? to lose two hours and 20 minutes All right. two hours <laughs> and 20 five minutes. bucks i mean yeah on. five bucks <laughs>